Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, it's been another one of those weeks. Another week. Another one of those weeks. I feel like we're going on six years of it being but at least another one of those weeks. At least weeks. we've been together. At least we've been together. That's all that matters. Honestly. The friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Fun show today. We kind of run the gamut. Always do. Always do. We get to talk about kind of smaller developments around abortion that are nevertheless enraging on a large scale. Trump's going down to Atlanta to try to give Fonnie Willis the stink eye. Oh, God. I Does he need to... Can't he just do the stink eye from home? Uh, it's not enough for him. Aaron, he's got nothing else to do. He's running for president. He's got to waste the jet fuel flying around like Taylor Swift going 13 miles. Uh, and then we're also talking to Bess Kalb, yep. author, writer, TV writer extraordinaire, and longtime pal of the show, Kieran Deal, about self-promotion, whether it's a drag, whether it's good, whether it's always been this way, whether we're all influencers now. Plus, a soothing chaser of Sandy Petty to end your hour and a half with us or so and get you started on the right foot for the rest of the week. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who are genuinely sad that Toby Keith died not knowing Beyonce was about to release a country album. It's a tough one. I know. You know, Phyllis Schlafly died thinking Hillary Clinton would be president, so. I guess we you take, you take the wins where you can get them. You take the wins where you can get them. Okay. So let's talk, I mean, it's, the Super Bowl's over. What, one thing I love about the Super Bowl is it's kind of like Christmas. It's like once it's over, everyone's like, get it. Out of here. It's done. Be gone. I can't see one more picture of Travis Kelsey in a sequin suit making out with Taylor Swift listening to her own music. It's Indeed. too much. The wad has been blown. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're closing the monitor. Um, but, you know, after Sunday's Super Bowl, President Biden tweeted a photo of himself with 
laser eyes, implying that the, inter- that the internet-bred character of Dark Brandon had somehow fixed the outcome of the game, playfully, of course. Um, the fact that millions of people immediately knew what this meant means that millions of people, including me, maybe especially me, desperately need to log off. because I need to log off. We all yeah. need to log off. I Solar flare, come save us. <laughs> Knock all the electronics out. It will be dicey for a few weeks, uh, but we'll figure it out. Uh, but Biden wasn't the only politician outside of the extremely online demographic who toyed around with internet conspiracy theories like surrounding Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, Pfizer, the NFL trying to defeat Donald Trump somehow. I don't know. It's very convoluted. But Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz also got in on the action and made some jokes about fixing the Super Bowl. Alyssa, there are a few ways to handle a ridiculous conspiracy theory. You can ignore it, pretend it doesn't mm-hmm. exist. You can attempt to debunk it with sincere things like fact-checking, no. which I think lends it a little bit of uh, more dignity than it deserves. Yeah. Or you can engage with it sarcastically, like what Democrats seem increasingly okay with doing now. What, what do you make of this? I am into engaging sarcastically because it's kind of like if you don't engage at all, you're letting it just happen, like with no counter whatsoever, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, and we've seen what happens when you're like, oh, you guys, Donald Trump and COVID, China. I mean, there are so many conspiracy theories. Well, um, some that actually turned out to be true, but I think that trying to debunk them is a waste of time. The people you're trying to educate aren't listening to you, don't want to hear from you. So I say just enjoy yourself. I say enjoy yourself. Yeah. Engage playfully. Yeah, you know that whole, that whole, I don't even know if this is true, but you're not supposed to wake somebody who's sleepwalking. Because I've, uh, yeah, I've seen, I've, I have, I'm sure I've seen that on the internet. I feel like, I don't know if it's true or not, any sleep scientists, doctors of sleepology can go ahead and weigh in hysteria at crooked.com. Um, But I feel like that principle applies to people who are really in deep on, like, LARPing their conspiracy theories. Like, QAnon people, essentially sleepwalkers. You can't wake them. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. You just have to I can't believe you just said LARP, and I knew what that meant. (laughs) We both need to log off. No, LARPing (laughs) LARPing is live action. Therefore, it is Live action role play. By definition— the reason I know what it is is because when I was an assistant at an internet company in 1999, my boss used to have these LARP events, and I had to find him places on Long Island to rent for his LARP events. Oh, my God. Are you like Rasputin of I've modern- seen it all. I've well, seen it all, Aaron. <laughs> You're just like showing up in the background of all these photos of historic 100%. events. And it's like, like, wait, why was she there? And then it's— <laughs> Feel like Why is she dressed like a gnome <laughs> on Long Island in a mansion? Um, okay, so this week, in addition to, you know, on the extremely online beat, Joe Biden joined TikTok, which we hope we've got some good security on that iPhone one. That- I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's not on his iPhone. <laughs> no, it's probably not. And I'm guessing that he is probably not the one that is composing, editing. I think that's correct. I, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, on TikTok, he is, according to a really good piece on Slate, quote, an online character with edgelord posting flair and crypto king visuals, a political communicator's take on Gritty. You know who Gritty is, right? No. He's, oh, please Google Gritty after we are done recording because— I will. I I was going to when I was reading the outline, but I was like, you know what? Aaron's going to ask me, and I want to be honest. No, I don't. (laughs) Gritty is the chaos Muppet that declared himself president for life of the Philadelphia Flyers 
Oh, I know Gritty. Okay, okay, thank you. I do know Gritty. Okay, uh, an attempted reclamation. Okay, so this, I'm going back to the, the Slate piece. Um, the Slate piece also said that Biden's online persona is an attempted reclamation of narrative after years of MAGA memes. Okay, so I'm old enough to remember when President Biden was considering banning TikTok because of security concerns mm-hmm. stemming from its ties to China. So, Alyssa, do you think this is a good idea that the president joined TikTok? I mean, look, on the one hand, Aaron, you got to meet the people where they are, right? Like when we were in the White House, I was so uh, violently opposed to Barack Obama doing Between Two Ferns. I was like, this is so unpresidential. What are we doing? And it was actually Pfeiffer's idea to do. And uh, I think it has like 25 million views today. So I was definitely wrong about that. So I feel like get on TikTok, meet the people where they are. But I I would be shocked. Okay, look. The people who they want to meet on TikTok do not give a shit, I think, about what he's posting. I think the people who are going to find him on TikTok are people like me who are like, that was a cute video. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And TikTok is not the same as Between Two Ferns because it's a lot more interactive, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Um, true. The commenting and all. (laughs) The comments take a lot more center stage. Um, The top comments, according to the Slate piece, the top comments on Biden's first TikTok were, I can't afford gas or rent. Mm -hmm. Eight hours edited down to 30 seconds. Good job answering those questions. I know it's hard. Had to wake him up for this one. And what about Rafa? Uh, That tracks. That's about what I would expect. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. TikTok is a place where, on one hand, you can reach Gen Z, but on the other hand, Gen Z can reach you. And I don't think that Joe Biden has done a lot to— successfully message to Gen Z that he has done things that address their specific politics and their specific yep. needs. Well, maybe he will use TikTok for that. Maybe. I mean, maybe. or he could use executive orders to do it. And then like, you know, TikTok himself signing them like, hey guys. Oh, you here's came something. in spicy today. You I'm came sorry. in spicy. Here's something that can materially benefit you that <laughs> I am doing with my power as the president. I got to say this, Alyssa. Tell me. I'm here. Of course, of course I'm voting for Joe Biden. And of, of course. course I understand how serious this election is. Um, but I saw a Instagram post because I'm a mm-hmm. millennial. I'm on Instagram, you know. Um, I saw an Instagram post from Vice President Harris that was like, uh, if Congress passes a, an abortion ban, rest assured, President Biden will veto it. And I'm like, I saw that too. That is, and weak you know what? Sauce. I saw it late, and I didn't send it to you because I'm like, you can't send terrorism late at night. <laughs> it's too late for that. Thank you. I appreciate that, Alyssa. It's too late. It's That's too the late. sort of thing that, like, it's just like, okay. On one hand, I feel like they're dancing around something that they're not coming out directly and saying. Mm-hmm. Which is that I think there is a real fear among Democrats that we'll lose the House and Senate in the fall. And if that happens and Joe Biden gets reelected, then he is literally the only thing standing between us and a nationwide abortion ban. Now, just saying, like, if Congress passes an abortion ban, Biden will veto it. I think if you're somebody who casually pays attention to politics or who's, like, maybe slightly more than casually pays attention, you might be like— Sounds good. Okay. Uh, Like, (laughs) all right, cool. But I think it's like, if you want to run on abortion, you have to hit harder how close we are to a nationwide abortion ban. You're not protected in your your blue little silos. Right. It's time to start talking about all the things 
that actually could be done and putting some real fucking legwork, some elbow grease into it and figuring it out. Like, Aaron, I haven't really even heard and we've talked about it and we will talk about it from now until the election. But like, I don't know. Let's fucking put some muscle behind ratifying the ERA. Let's do something. Like right now, it's just a lot of uh, tiles on Instagram, Gen X, but also on Instagram. Good to Mm -hmm. meet you. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of like, we're going to codify Roe, going to codify Roe. How? You keep saying how? (laughs) We've gone from codifying Roe to stopping them from banning abortion, which is not the same. Like like vetoing an abortion ban. And that is so breathtakingly close to a nationwide abortion ban. Like, okay, right now, women in Texas who need abortion care, for the most part, are getting it by traveling out of state. Not everybody is getting it, as we discussed on last week's episode. People who are uh, already at the margins and already probably are not economically Mm -hmm. equipped to handle raising a child uh, are being forced to give birth. And pretty much everybody else is just getting them out of state. If a nationwide abortion ban passes, we're fucked, man. Fucked. Fucked. We're fucked. We're, dri- we're driving to Mexico. We're driving to Canada. This is like some bullshit, like, retro and— Fundamental. It's like fundamental bullshit, too. Yes. It is a component part of our lives. This isn't some frivolous. This is fundamental bullshit. And I wish that, you know, I'm sure that this is coming. I hope that this is coming. I'm giving the Biden campaign the benefit of the doubt and hoping that mm-hmm. this is coming. But I think that they need to go a little bit harder on being like, guys— they are going to ban abortion. It's happening. If they win the Senate and the House, the Senate map is very bad for Democrats this cycle. Not impossible, but it's it hard. It's looking rough. And the House is so gerrymandered all to fuck that, mm-hmm. like, it, there is a possibility of Democrats taking the House back, but we can't count on that. We have to plan around the fact that there is a very real possibility that Republicans could take both houses of the legislature, which is a suboptimal outcome, but there's a possibility of that. And if that happens, the president is the only thing standing in between us and a nationwide abortion ban. Yes. And, like, uh, yeah, so— You heard it here first. I mean, I'm sure—I'm sorry to speak to some of people's deepest fears, but, you know, that's, like— That's the news. Got to give it to you straight. Uh, speaking of abortion, let's do a roundup of what's going on. Speaking of abortion and Texas. And Texas. God, what can Texas just succeed? But you know what? This one, though, extremely other level. This one is really other level. So, like, late last week, this was kind of making the rounds online, and I really wanted to talk about this individual case because I think it brings a lot of things into relief. A Texas man recently received a slap on the wrist for doing something that had a doctor or woman done it would have elicited a much harsher punishment. Much, much harsher. It wasn't talking in a meeting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Mason Herring, 39, who's a Texas personal injury lawyer, which yeah. is an ironic job to have for someone who's going out, going around trying to per, like personally injure people. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Herring drugged his wife's drinks with abortifacients in seven unsuccessful attempts to induce an abortion without the knowledge of his then estranged, now ex-wife, who was, at the time, in her third trimester of pregnancy. Okay, 
So he was trying to— Okay, first of all, abortion drugs, not recommended for the third trimester. You're supposed to take them before, like, 11 weeks. N- no. Yeah, not no. not recommended for the third—for even the second trimester. Oh, my God. This is—it's, it's like, reading the story was fucking gross. It's gross. Uh, and Herring is a gross person. And Herring was convicted of— the crimes of injury of a child and assault of a pregnant person, uh, but originally faced the more serious charges of assault to induce abortion. He pled down to get the less serious charges. Mm -hmm. His punishment is 180 days in jail and 10 years probation. His ex-wife, Catherine, understandably found this sentence insufficient. Alyssa, if a doctor tried to perform an illegal abortion in Texas, because that's what Herring was doing. He was trying to perform an illegal abortion. Um, an illegal abortion against the woman's will. Like, okay. Yep. But if a doctor tried to perform an illegal abortion with the permission of the pregnant person, uh, a.k.a. any abortion that occurs after fetal cardiac activity around six weeks from a woman's last menstrual period, um, that doctor could face penalties of up to 99 years in jail and a yep. $100,000 fine. So... I guess if you need an abortion in Texas, the best way to avoid stiff legal penalties is just have your non-doctor husband do it without telling you. Aaron, okay, so many things about this story. One, disgusting. Sorry, this is attempted murder. Um, he he dosed her seven fucking times. Like, like she had to have been so sick. Like he had to, he willing, like watched her get so sick every time he dosed her. My favorite part of the story is that the way he finally told on himself was that he took the garbage out and she was like, zoinks, scoob, something is up. He never takes the garbage out. He is not a helper. (laughs) And she went to the garbage and found the Mexican generic of misoprostol. Aaron, what? He, you could not have... He had to have been like, I'm going to watch some old Lifetime movies from the 1990s and see how you try to poison someone because he just kept bringing her glasses of water when she already had drinks. And he was like, no, you're dehydrated. Drink more. And then, I I mean, one, what he did is Ugh. almost like a Muppet. It's like a Muppet-like caper, what he mm. was trying to pull off, a malevolent one. But the really just the part that makes you get a pit in your stomach is that if she had, if this had been months earlier, she had not wanted this pregnancy. She had tried to procure these drugs herself. She'd be in prison for a really fucking long time, but he's okay. So again, Texas. Yeah. I mean, it really goes to show who lawmakers think. Mm-hmm. should be in control of women's bodies. And, and who are victims. And it's, yeah. Um, well, so here's here's the really uh, tragic epilogue of the story in addition yes. to the whole, like, meta-patriarchy of it all. Right. Um, Catherine Herring gave birth to a little girl who was born 10 weeks premature and had to spend 117 days of the first nine months of her life in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Now, anybody who's ever had a NICU baby knows that it, that is, like, every day— it's like it's a the, lifetime. The hardest day of your life. Yeah. And she had to live it 117 days mm-hmm. in a row. The little girl is now 18 months old and has developmental delays that have required her to attend therapy eight times a week. Eight times. And misoprostol, I'm going to say, is in, in studies, if you take misoprostol, because it's used for other things besides right. abortion. It's used for, um, like, internal bleeding. It's ulcers. You know, there's other things that it's used for. Uh, but if you take it without knowing you're pregnant and the pregnancy doesn't end, it does cause 
it's known to cause some sure. birth defects. Um, and so Herring says that her husband dosing her multiple times with an abortifacient is uh, what caused this. And uh, so, yeah, 180 days in jail for this guy. And And who's helping her? Who's helping her? This has to be exceedingly expensive or nearly bankruptingly expensive, what she's going through. You know, I found I found this guy's details still on his law firm's website. Mm. Like, he, he hasn't lost his law license yet that I know of, but they are—it's probably—he's probably, probably going to lose it. Um, but yeah, every single penny that he's ever earned should go to care of this little girl. 100%. Every he single did this. penny. And he, he should also get a tattoo on his forehead, I think. I think if you do something that like this. That says creep? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Goon. Goon. Like, he should goon. get a tattoo on his forehead that says goon. He should be barred from practicing law. And, Without question. And every single woman in America should sign on to an agreement to never date or even get anywhere near the penis of this man for the rest of his life. Ever. Ever. Uh, okay, moving on. Um Wow. Whoa. What's happening boy. in Ohio, Alyssa? Some wild fuckery. You know, Aaron, you take, you know, we always tell people, like, just take the W. Okay. Republicans cannot take a decision by a majority of citizens as anything other than a challenge to try to overturn the will of the people. So we have talked about Ohio. We talked about uh, issue one, which was voted on back in November. And Aaron, that was supposed to protect abortion access in the state. And you know it passed with a 57% majority. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Unfortunately, Republicans in the state continue to ignore what the people want and have explicitly voted for. As a reminder to everyone, Issue 1 explicitly stated, quote, every individual has the right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. And again... This one with 57% of the vote. Well, the Ohio Attorney General, he believes that some of the abortion ban still stands, Aaron. He thinks there are parts that are still salvageable. His name, Dave Yost, said the Heartbeat Act, which would prevent abortions at six weeks and beyond, is no longer valid, but other parts of the ban may still be defensible. Hmm. How? Hmm. How? Well, Aaron, he said on Friday, issue one doesn't say the state absolutely has no right to regulate reproductive rights. Okay. But it so says the, people have the right to make their own decisions. Ergo, the state does not get to tell them that they cannot make those decisions. Uh-huh. This is uh -huh. so dumb. Why? So he's he's got—so the abortion ban is on hold. It's being uh, ironed out. Hamilton County uh, Common Pleas Court Judge Christian Jenkins has to hear the arguments. But, Aaron, I would just like to point out a little research, a little research that I hope someone in Ohio is listening to us and reminds them of the fact that in literature and analysis released prior to the November election— A.G. Yost said, some of Ohio's laws may be defensible, but the Heartbeat Act would not exist if issue one passes. Those were his words. <sighs> okay, look, Ohio, Ohio, I was so impressed with you on two off-year elections, one special election in August, showing up in record numbers in, in the off-year election in November, legalizing marijuana 
and enshrining abortion access into your state constitution. Amazing. Stop voting for these motherfuckers. Stop Stop voting for them. Stop voting for them. They're making you look like a bunch of goons to bring it back to— like they're Without not representing. They're clearly not representing you. They're clearly they don't not representing care what your you said. They don't they care. Do what, not care. No. And so, like the voters have spoken, and instead, Ag Yost is like, "We better now. We better ask a judge about this. Let's go line by line. That's what he wants to do, Aaron. He wants to go provision by provision and take each provision before a judge and see what is constitutional. That is <sighs> trash." I feel like Republicans in places like Ohio and 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 Wisconsin, which I'll get to in a second, uh, mm. depend. They just keep. They're like a moth banging against a screen. Like if I, I'm going to keep trying to get in, I'm going to keep trying to get in. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get in. Maybe I'll get in. Maybe I'll get in. It's really annoying. It's like stop banging. There's a screen there. But every once right. in a while, they find a hole in the screen, and then you got a fucking moth in your house, eating all your sweaters, which is really bad. Uh, but like, they're depending on people. Tuning out because they think, okay, I'm well, getting that's, exhausted, or or just being like, that's that, we did it, mission accomplished, mm-hmm. you know, we and and mission, no, mission not accomplished. We like this is going to be because these people are such enduring and eternal fucking pains in the ass. We have to yeah. pay attention forever. Like there is no way, like you cannot turn your back on a giant fucking pain in the ass because eventually they're going to figure out a way to get what they want when you're not paying attention. Right. Totally. And it, it sucks. And uh, I hate it. Yeah. And speaking of, um, I was I mentioned Wisconsin, it looks like uh, Governor Tony Evers's maps are actually going to go into effect because the Republican legislature was like, oh, fine. Woo. Yeah. I feel like they've got to have another game though because those they're Those subversive. People. This is not—they're not being altruistic here. No, I don't think so. But maybe they have—maybe uh, they've got bigger fish to fry. Um, let's go to Missouri, uh, where the news is not good. Republicans in Missouri continue their record-setting run of showing their whole asses. Uh, Democrats in the state are trying to add exceptions for rape and incest to the state's draconian abortion ban. Those animals. They're absolute—but an- but as— you know, Alyssa, and as I know, exceptions are not really exceptions. A ban no. is a ban is a ban is a ban is a ban. They're fl- it's flowery letters. It's flowery letters. Exceptions are little fairy tales yeah. that Republicans tell moderates who want to break in their taxes to get them to vote for them so those moderates can sleep at night. Right. It's like when they do an exception for the life of the mother, mother and the caveat is like, right, you must actually be near death. You must have five doctors certify that. You must have lost like half your blood and then maybe we'll give you the exception. But by then you might be dead because it took us too long to prove that you were dying. We need lawyers to stop trying to do science. It Amen. makes me, it's like, you guys, come on, please. You don't understand what you're trying to make rules about. You're, and you sound very stupid to people who understand yeah. The underlying science. Like um, doctors. Yeah. Like doctors. Um, okay. So the Missouri GOP has also tried to push a bill that would prevent Planned Parenthood from taking Medicaid reimbursements. That failed. Um, Planned Parenthood provides many services besides just abortion. And in many cases, in many places, is the first place that women are able to go for yeah. a, a whole array of reproductive health care and services. Um and Republicans in Missouri have drafted an amendment that would prevent anyone who's ever gotten an abortion— This is wild. —from accessing Medicaid ever. Yep. Ever. Is that—can you do that? Can you, like— No, I, 
Aaron, what? Can you like dust for an abortion? Like, can you go like give a like during? Can you do like a little, you know, magnifying glass down on the old cervix and tell us? I'm not sure how it works. I'm not sure how that works. Ladies, lie. Lie about everything. Lie about it. You didn't have an abortion. No, you didn't. Nope. No, you didn't. Gaslight Don't know people. what you're talking about. Do, do, like, play it like a Republican would. Just fucking lie. Lie just to get what you want. This is just, lie. ugh. Don't okay. tell them. Yeah, Missouri is the show-your-ass state. Uh, we've got another kind of disturbing story. Alyssa— uh, this one fucked me up, Aaron. Thank God for Ron Wyden, senator from Oregon. Uh, he is investigating. <laughs> this was, I just, okay. This is dystopian. This is really fucked up. So Senator Ron Wyden uh, alleges that a company is tracking people's visits to almost 600 Planned Parenthood locations across 48 states and gave that data for one of the largest anti-abortion ad campaigns in the country, a scope that far exceeds anything previously known. So Wyden released a letter. Uh, the letter was sent Tuesday morning, and it reveals what's believed to be the largest publicly known, location-driven, anti-abortion ad campaign. Abortion rights supporters have feared this type of data could be used by certain state governments to prosecute women who get the procedure after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled there is no constitutional right to an abortion. So here is some wild shit. This is where it gets even more wild, in my opinion. The company is called Near Intelligence, which Wyden has asked the Federal Trade Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission to investigate claims to have information on 1.6 billion people across 44 countries. Now, one of the interesting things about this, too, they did have to stop tracking people in Europe, Aaron, because... <laughs> Not Americans, though. Not Americans. Because we lack federal privacy regulations. Hmm. So Europeans, they were like, you know, near intelligence, get the fuck out of here. But they're still doing what they do. They're still tracking and, the shit out of us. Um, and I'm sorry, but Aaron, how is tracking people's visits to Planned Parenthood clinics, selling that data to target people for an anti-abortion campaign, how is that not intimidation and, like, I don't know, stalking? Um, it is, it does sound like intimidation and stalking, and it also sounds like a really disturbing link on a chain that could lead to people actually being victimized by violence. Yes. Um, or doxxed to their employers or their partners or their families, and that is, oof, yeah, I don't like that. I mean, like, look, if they're tracking your phone and you go to Planned Parenthood, I don't know, to just, like, drop off a hoagie to the front desk staff because they're, you know— Doing, They're nice. Doing the Lord's work. You're going to volunteer. Right. Mm. Let's say you go to Planned Parenthood. You're going to volunteer. You're going to support a friend. You're going to have a procedure that has nothing to do with abortion. You're, you're going to have a pap smear. You're going to have an abortion. Whatever you're going to Planned Parenthood for. If somebody can track your phone, they can also see that one of those people is going to work at a specific workplace. It wouldn't yep. be very hard for them to figure out who you are and what you're doing. Or where you live. Or where you live. Uh, this is gross. We need federal privacy protections. You know, John Oliver did that thing where he bought a bunch of data on people who were, like, oh, yeah. coming and going from the U.S. Capitol. I honestly think that the only way that we get any good tech regulations is when it directly impacts elected officials. Like, no shade to the people who are doing this because I think that there are good 
I think that they have good reasons for for sure. writing this law. But last week we talked about uh, Senators Amy Klobuchar and uh, Josh Hawley yeah. team, teaming oh. up to do an anti-deep fake legislation. Right. And I feel like anti-deep fake legislation might succeed in the legis- in the Senate and the House because politicians understand how deep fakes could hurt them. Yep. By you know it could be used in campaigns against them. There is a very palpable fear of deep fakes being used against politicians. Indonesia just had an election that involved deep fakes during the oh, campaign. Oh, yeah, that's wild. And we still don't know, like, how that impacted the outcome of the election. So deep fakes are a real palpable fear for elected officials. In order for privacy to become something that they actually move on, like, there's going to have to be more John Oliver-like projects of people buying up data of elected officials and uh, and selling it or publishing it. I, I'm sorry. I hate to be like a bomb thrower, but that's how I No, feel. but bomb thrower is fine. Hey, look, if that's what it takes. Yeah. God, we need federal pri- we need pr- federal privacy regulations so badly. So badly. And I feel like half of our elected officials have their assistants print out their email. Like, they're in that age demographic. So— I almost yeah. choked on my water. Yes, I <laughs> agree with you. Um, okay, yeah, and they, they like, asked to be, had the, for the map quest before they drive to— Yeah, you can know. you print out the map quest? <laughs> print out the map quest. Uh, we got a Fonnie Willis update. Uh, people might be hearing this on a crazy day. Fonnie, Fonnie. Trump trial drama continues on the day this episode airs, Thursday the 15th. America's favorite and most prolific, possibly most prolific criminal, Donald Trump is set to attend a hearing in Atlanta about the allegations against District Attorney Fonnie Willis, which state that she had an inappropriate relationship with Trump prosecuting attorney Nathan Wade. Aaron, this is so grossly, obviously like just the most basic play in the Trump playbook, it's like, let's go intimidate. Like we've heard all the stories of how he spoke to uh, Robbie Kaplan, who defended E. Jean, throwing papers at her, saying, see you next Tuesday. He wants to go down and try to like scare the shit out of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, why else is he going? He's got like other trials going on. He's supposed to be at other trials that day. He's got other parties to hit up. He's going to just run through with a, with a bottle he of He is. And the thing is, this is boring. Earlier this month, Willis acknowledged a personal relationship with Wade, but denied that it has tainted the proceedings. So at the very heart here, we have Fulton County Court uh, Judge Scott McAfee, uh, who said he's going to just focus on whether or not Willis benefited financially from hiring Wade, when their relationship began, and whether it continues. Okay, like Donald Trump, what do you need to be there for? Like, no reason for him to go except to just try to be a threatening goon. That's our theme for today. I think he just wants to draw attention because any anything that—this is a story he wants to draw attention to. So by standing close to it, he's trying to, like, use his gravitational field. Right. And uh, it's going to work because that's what people do. They pay attention to whatever— It is that he does. Uh, Yeah, and that's unfortunate. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, personal, political. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes, 
And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. To, I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, almost like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put a a blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim Denim shirt, blazer, leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. 
That's perfect. He is like I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for human personal brands. Mm. Our first panelist is a regular friend of Hysteria. She's a comedian, actor, writer, and director. Karen Deal, great to see your face. Great to see your face. Happy Valentine's Day. Ooh, do you have anything special planned? Um, just a lot of masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what all the buzz is about. Um... <laughs> Our next panelist is a writer and producer of TV and books. She just released a kid's book called Buffalo Fluffalo. But if that's a bit below your reading level or above, you can keep up with our newsletter, The Grudge Report. Please welcome Bess Kalb. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm a fan of the pod. And I got the buzz joke halfway through your um, intro to me. So this is going to go great. I'm feeling sharp as a tack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sick kids. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah, that's everybody my loves having. <laughs> everybody loves having sick kids. Um, so, Bess, congrats on the book. Thank you so much. It's shortlisted for a Nobel Prize. Have you have you beaten Taylor Swift yet, though? Oh my God, you've been following. Okay, um, no. So Taylor yes, Swift, of course, I've been following. Taylor, you've been following the indie bookstore children's lit drama. Um, Taylor <laughs> Swift has the number one book. I have the number two. Um, and we beat Goodnight Moon, and our next, our our next victim is ta- this is perfect audio. Our next victim is Taylor Swift. I feel like that'll win. Over. <laughs> Publisher's gonna love this. Um, yeah. No, we'll beat Can her. She's- we'll get her. Can she stop? That's my question. No. She's great at this one thing. She's really, really, really good at it. Does she need to do the other stuff? You know, she can. You know, it's like Everest. Why climb Everest? It's there. You know, it's, she'll she'll just do it. If she can beat anyone at something, she will, and she should. To be very clear, fan of Taylor Swift, um, and <laughs> she deserves all the success. Also, she didn't write this book. It's... um. It's a it's like a my little bio I'm getting the title wrong but it's like a my biography of Taylor Swift written by other people. I don't even know if it's authorized but yeah, I'll never <laughs> I'll never have the number one book so long as she breathes. This is getting, I tried to, it is just sounding more and more like a death threat. 
<laughs> no, love, love her, love the book. Where is the bomb? Where is it like on the bottom of her car? So, what are you really planning? I am going to unplug the computer. I'm going to, I stop, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's in, um, she'll never know. Why would I, why would I, when does this air? Tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, She's yeah. busy. She's busy. <laughs> this is a busy week for her. Um, Bess, how much of the book's promotion, and like you've written other books too, how much of every book's promotion are you expected to do yourself? Just give our listeners a sense of like uh, the grunt work of an author once you're done writing. Um, I, I, I've always been excited to do promotion for a book um, because— I, I'm not somebody with like a built-in fan base, so I I hope that like the book gets put out there in the press. In terms of me being the face of that, I I don't know how much is expected of me. I know um, when the contract was being negotiated, they I specifically asked them not to have like a specific amount of Instagram posts. Some authors have to deal with that indignity and are required to have themselves talk about it, but. Um, I don't know what was expected of me. I just, I do want to move units. I want to sell the book mm-hmm. and I, I want to be helpful to do it. But um, figuring out how to do that has been kind of a, a, a balancing act. Yeah. So there's people who have to like tweet about it a certain number of times or not, I mean, not you, but oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, yeah, that, that's, um, that's part of it. I think, you know, in the Vox article that, that was sent over, um, a lot of the people who are given book deals because of their social media following are required to use that platform to sell it. Hmm. Yeah, but interesting. I, yeah, I mean, Karen, you're in a public-facing line of work too. How much is self-promotion like? How in- integral is it to what you do? I think comedians are currently responsible for their ticket sales. Like, it's cr- it's crazy to see people who are very like Brian Cook's a great example. Somebody who's very very skilled refuses to interact with social media and then someone else who got a following from doing 70 second videos and like okay who am I to say if you can sell uh 600 tickets at the San Francisco Palace of Fine Arts and people will listen to you talk for an hour like is that enough does that make you a comedian you know what I mean like is that is that enough you know um because it is at the end of the day I think I think this is just like such a fundamental I I was, you know, I read some of the article too, Bess, and I was thinking about how I think it's always been a problem, like the intersection of like art and commerce. Like whenever you turn something that is a thing that you love or something that's an art into a thing that needs to make money, there will be an inherent conflict. And I just always think back in the day to like the Renaissance. Do you know what I mean? It's like, did like... Totally. Did, did those like Teenage Mutant Ninja Patronage Turtle? Yeah. yeah. Did they like? Did they all like want to do all the Jesus <laughs> stuff, or were they like forced into? Okay. Well, I guess the Pope's like doing the Sistine Chapel. So, like, I mean, I guess I'll paint some Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Like, what was the, what was the general, <laughs> like, were they like, oh, I would have, I would have loved to do more nudes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would love to see like the alt, uh, the alt great, great masters. The like Alt Da Vinci. He's like, this is just, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I feel like any world of art kind of is like, okay, success begets success. But at its worst, that means that the success of a topic or subject or way of doing things 
means that that is what's enforced on the next wave of people. So like, all right, you know, I remember maybe like a year a year and a half ago, everyone was talking about what's the next Yellowstone? We're going to make another Yellowstone. Oh, right. And all anybody wanted people to write, all the pitches that anybody wanted to hear were the next fucking Yellowstone. And like the reason Yellowstone was so big was because there was only one Yellowstone and everybody who wanted to watch that kind of show watched the one Yellowstone. But when there's like 50 Yellowstones, that divides the audience up. That doesn't cause it to multiply by 50. Right. Meetings I'm having. I mean, it's even like the bear was something that didn't have a blueprint. Yeah. Yellowstone is like a broadly mm -hmm. appealing commercially sort of down the line show with a big star. But now people want the next the bear. But there's no it, it. I think it shows how sort of out of step with creativity, the world of branding is. And I also think mm -hmm. that like to Kieran's point, like art and commerce have always intersected, even in the Renaissance, like with the Medici's like there there's it's almost inauthentic to say like, ah, oh, it's just pure art for art's sake. Um, I think just now it's so much more naked, like the front facing camera has made it inescapable that you are you are the brand. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's humiliating, but it's a fact of art. If art didn't exist with commerce, then we'd all be buskers. Um, mm -hmm. right. you know, there has, yeah. there has to be a machine behind it. There has to be a gallery to hang that in. There has to be a chapel to paint it on. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, when you wrote your books, mm -hmm. did you have a lot, did you have to do a lot of self-promotion? I know that you're not like a self-promoting type of person. Did it make you, how did it make you feel to have to oh do? Oh my God. Well, it was before I had my IBS under control. So it was very, <laughs> very stressful. I, because you have to put it out the, see, here's the thing. Here's the catch 22 is that I hated promoting myself. I hated having to figure out how to make people interested in something I wrote about myself, like that felt so profoundly gross. But at the same time, if you if I left the promotion up to the publisher and the people who worked with the publisher, their instincts were so bad. <laughs> like my second book had an essay about uh, Monica Lewinsky, which I had written with Monica. Like Monica read it. We had like a whole moment together. And it was about growing up as the same age as Monica and how I felt then and how I felt now that and, and now that we're friends. Every single of everything I wrote in that book, profound things about Barack and Michelle Obama, Everyone was like, um, we're going to excerpt the Monica chapter. And I was like, no, 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 that's actually the opposite point of the chapter. Like, it is the opposite point. Like, you, like using her as clickbait is the opposite of the point. And so then you're just like, you know what? I got it. I'll pitch my excerpts. I will pitch my podcast. I will pitch exactly how I want to at least be put out there, which is Aaron knows intimately is like child free, but relatable. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Not all the child free are like Samantha Jones. But, um, but that was like they try to put you out in a different in a different way than you want at least to be received. And so that is the what what I would say the upside. And Bess, it's what I loved about how you promoted Buffalo Fluffalo so much. You just like read it and all these weird voices. I was riveted when I couldn't sleep. I'm like, let's see if Bess has posted a new, a new reading from Buffalo Fluffalo in her aunt's, her Jewish aunt's voice from Miami or wherever she was from. I mean, totally. To what you like, 
I think it comes out of the same discomfort that you had and also sort of bucking the instincts that you know are coming. Sometimes when people who have good market research and have tested it, you know, have shown that like, yes, people respond well to this thing, but it doesn't necessarily map one-to-one onto me. Um, And so I think the the necessity of doing self-promotion as like odious and annoying as it is, is like at least I get to control whatever narrative is out there about my work. And it's silly to promote a children's book. Um, I like I it's not what I I, I wrote an adult book. I write for TV. Um, I sort of had I've been commenting a lot about politics and especially in the Middle East. And I I was like, whoa, people are coming to me for a, a certain type of of content, and now they're going to see me write about me talk about a cartoon buffalo who like has big feelings. <laughs> um, and so I had to do something silly to that because like the very fact of it is silly. Yeah. <laughs> um, like my publisher is just waiting for me to be like, oh, so weird. Prairie Dog says, and then just like have a. <laughs> 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 um, well, it's it's interesting because like you, I mean, we're all like well-rounded people that have a many many interests, but the projects that we might be promoting might be a little bit more narrow in scope than the entirety of our personalities. And right. So if people are following us promoting one narrow thing that we produce and then they find us talking about like the Middle East or abortion or whatever. Like, have you ever gotten scolded for not sticking to a lane that somebody decided that you belonged in, even though you're like, I never said I just belonged in that lane? Never in book publishing. In TV, I had to be a little bit more careful. Um, But you know, I, I there were definitely people who were like, hey, you have a Doctors Without Borders fundraiser on your profile. And, um, you know, uh, I was going to buy your book. And I was like, well, then don't buy my <laughs> don't buy my book. That's fine. <laughs> you know, that's right. I, I'm, I'm not just the project I'm promoting. There's a uh, there's also a, an entire person behind that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also like it puts you in the position of having to be like an influencer. Yeah. Almost. Right. Like. Kieran, do you think that there is a way to be an artist in 2024 or a creative in 2024 and not have to be an influencer? I think if you get very, very lucky, you know, then maybe that's, I think if you get very, very lucky, sometimes like the industry puts like the heft of their weight behind a certain person or there's like a mystique or a lore, you know, but I think if it's anything if it's anything where it's, you know, it's the one-to-one on like the ticket sales, you know, it's like, and it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged mm-hmm. sword in standup. I will say this because it's on the one hand, I have so many friends who, who just didn't kind of have the love of the industry, but were very, very, very funny. Um, but once they started posting clips online or they got really big on TikTok, they can sell out theaters now, you know? And um, that's a direct mm. line of connection with your audience. That's incredible in many ways, you know? The flip side, again, we all, my like, I remember my ex-boyfriend would be like, uh, we all work for Mark Zuckerberg, like all like the the algorithm <laughs> the algorithm constantly shifts um it's like you can have a following of a certain size and then it's like your material isn't even getting to those people you know um like when when facebook and when a lot of those algorithms started it was just in chronological order of who posted what and now it is not in chronological order. Now it is in like whatever is quote unquote successful enough. Everyone's copying everybody. You know, it's very much, and it's very unregulated too. So um, I do think there's a little bit of like that, 
the cash grab of like the 49ers like getting the gold out of the out of the you know the river you know because it's you don't know how long it's gonna last mm-hmm. I was like the football I was team? like what are we talking I know, about for a minute yeah, I was when, like were they guys they go okay, to the okay. river everyone take a breath <laughs> take a breath if you've met me <laughs> we you get it we here and about. you know history yeah <laughs> I, foot game that's why I was upset because I was like Karen has been has been abducted. This is her <laughs> signaling that she needs help. Yes. She is talking about football. We need to call the police. Hello. Thank We're you so all much. We need to call the that police. Football was implied. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for knowing my truth, Erin. I feel so seen. And uh, thank you, Alyssa. You guys are like, what's happening? Why is she talking about foot game? <laughs> like, wow. my God, Karen, you've been hit. <laughs> Alyssa, same question. Do you think that there's a way to be somebody producing something creative and not get kind of pulled into the gravitational field of influencing? No, it's so hard. I mean, like, I would not, but when we were promoting Pretty Baby um, for Hulu, it's like there was no—and this is no shade on anybody. It was just our project, and we wanted it to do really well. And so we had to, like, go out to influence. We did, like, influencer kits. And we're like, it was a dark time in my life when I was like, have we heard? Did Kim Kardashian get hers yet? Has she posted? Um, So I myself don't think I can ever be an influencer, but even playing in the space— Though I will say, people ask a lot about my gray hair. I think I may have influenced a little gray hair. Um, But other than that, you know, asking to me, there are like two kinds of people. There are people who are humbled that they were actually able to do something. Like when I think about my book or think about Pretty Baby, I couldn't believe we got it done. And the idea of having to take it and go out and be like, hey, can you repost this? Can you retweet this? Can you do this? It's like the darkest, but also a necessary part of the process. You know, mm. it mattered. It mattered how many, how many times, how many views when Kim Kardashian got her, what did, we sent like a Polaroid kit. We yeah. sent an eyebrow kit because of, because of Brooke and a couple other things. And it was like, <gasps> they posted, they posted. Did the other one get it? Did the other one get it? And it mattered. And it like, it mattered so much, but I don't know if any of it turned into views. I don't know if any of that meant that more people actually watched Pretty Baby. I just know that more people heard about it or at least saw that Brooke has an eyebrow kit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and some of it seems to be, like, attention is— I, I think sometimes where, where where attention comes in is, like, the creator themselves doesn't want to just get attention for attention's sake, but the people who are trying to promote the project are like, any attention is exactly. good attention. That's exactly right. The other thing about so many influencers, because I have a friend who works with a lot of influencers now, a lot of them are meme pages or they're— it's it's all stolen content. It's oh. all like the a lot of the biggest right. pages are right. from eight to ten years ago, and they're all at least everybody here wrote their own book, you know, or or it's like your stand up or whatever it is. It's yeah, like the so many of the biggest ones are like just internet memes from wherever, and like now those people not only have influence but they also are making a bunch of money in advertising and branded deals. Mm-hmm. Bess, have you ever found that something that you have done or something you have said or something you've written has been just like scraped without credit and used on a big meme page? All, all, all the time. All the time. 
Um, I also how does that make you feel? Um, I, I mean, my I, my I had a child, and I always just write about what's directly in front of me. I have no ability to. Uh, it's it's incredibly solipsistic, <laughs> um, and so I had the <laughs> um, so I had the child. I started writing comedy about being a, a parent and romper pampers gerber huge corporations the the brand of pajamas that i was buying like setting an alert for when they went on sale the magnetic me pajamas that like you oh, don't yeah. have to do in the, uh-huh. they were using my shit to sell to sell their products um no. and i like thank god after a while oh that that was just instagram on twitter people would wholesale like a friend but of wait our, best did they sell you free did they send you no, free pajamas i've only received no! Oh, no. And I, and by the way, and I don't ask. Like I'm on this podcast cuz you directly DM'd me. Yeah, of course. You know, I I I don't ask. Um and I I should. And like I have a post-it on uh, for my Substack which I give away my writing for free on. Uh, I have a post-it that my husband put on my computer that's like charge. Um and it, it's here because <laughs> like I, um you know, he's like we need them diapers. Um but the um no, it's it, I I'm I'm like the rage. Nobody's I mean it's it's nice to be able to talk about it. Um I'm used to my jokes being stolen on Twitter. I don't really care about that. I'm like, look, they're not going to be able to come up with another joke and I can just keep writing them right. like it's fine. Um that's like from the cockiest side of me, but it's all you know, but it's also like a non-confrontational side. Um but it's but for <laughs> this when when a corporation is profiting um you know, I'm somebody who does not post pictures of my kids on the internet. Mm-hmm. I do not post their names on the internet. I, I don't use them to make money. And when I see other people, it just it feels it just goes so fucking against my like values when they do mm-hmm. that. And one time I DM'd, um, and I was like, "Hey, um, I DM'd Gerber." And I DM them and I was like, hey, um, kind of as a joke, I was like so crazy because I actually have the Gerber baby. Um, and I sent a picture <laughs> of, of my oldest kid and um, who's gorgeous um, objectively. And they were like, haha, love it. And I was like, no, like I should just be direct. Like, please, please don't use please don't use my my jokes. Um uh, without my, like, at least permission. I wasn't even necessarily asking to be paid, but, like, it would be nice to ask. There are a few people who have asked, and I I remember them. I That rant, rant mm-hmm. over. Um, but I will say, um, appendix to the rant, um, I'm lucky that there's enough <laughs> of a following that people kind of snitch tag me when people steal my mm-hmm. stuff. And they're like, hey, credit mm-hmm. at Best Bell Calb or whatever, Best Bell Calb. Um, and then people are kind of shamed into... Taking it down. Good. Or at least tagging it. Yeah, you, you got to. Do any of you ever fantasize about just being able to totally disconnect, not have to do any personal branding whatsoever? And like, how does that life look for you? What would you do with the time that you normally spend having to self-promote? Alyssa, you go first. Uh, so much more jam, obviously. <laughs> so much more jam. It is even, but then even the jam I had to promote a little bit because I'm like, well, my friends took a swing and they're selling my jam, so I, so I should like post it on Instagram. But at least that was like my thing, and it was like totally for me. But if I could, because if you didn't have to deal, like I think I get on social media mostly to entertain myself. Like I, I try to curate things that will just make me laugh and and give me a break. But if I could didn't have to worry about myself or things that I do for a living, I think I could go without social media for the rest of my life. And I think I would read more books. 
And I think that I would make more jam. And also while I have the opportunity, because you know who else does not like self-promoting? Aaron. And this week's newsletter was very good. How to annoy your fetus. Don't miss it. Like I said, <laughs> child-free, but love the content. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the reason I wrote that, and I will do a little bit of self-promotion here. The reason I wrote it is because, you know, I'm pregnant for the second time. I'm going to have a baby in June. And uh, every week by week, like what to expect when you're expecting or like baby list. Like you can go and say, oh, I'm 20 whatever weeks pregnant and like whatever. And it'll tell you your baby's the size of a papaya and this yeah. is where it, this is what it's doing developmentally. And it, they all, they're suggesting all these things. Like you can interact with the fetus when it's like 18, 19 weeks old, theoretically, because they develop hearing, they develop like some very rud- rudimentary sight type senses, whatever. It's all kind of like gray area primordial senses, right? But they're suggesting doing things like uh, shine a flashlight at your okay, belly. That was no. the one that I thought was the most deranged. That felt like so flashbanging your baby. It's like, what You're are you so doing? Rude. Doesn't even have a consciousness. Barely knows, barely knows what's going on. All it knows is like warm floating. You want me to shine a fucking flashlight at it? Yeah. You want me to put headphones on my stomach and play music? <laughs> you want my husband to be like, hey, you in there. It's sleeping. Let it, <laughs> let it sleep. Uh, anyway, so that's, no, that's, I hate doing self-promotion, but that is a thing I feel very strongly about. So I have no problem conveying those feelings. I'm just, just don't, you don't need to bother your baby. B- Bess, you look like you want to say something. <laughs> no, I'm, oh no, I was just, ha- I was listening. It's exactly, no, it's it's hazing your baby. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, no wonder they're so grouchy. Yeah, They totally. come out, they're so mad. I know. They're so mad. Um, Bess, do you fantasize about a life where you don't have to promote yourself at all? And what would you do with that time? It, it's not a fantasy. It's the goal. The goal is that mm-hmm. your work sells itself. Like, the goal is that you can, right. like, you know, the, the authors and the comedians that I respect, they don't have to, like, they get on social media because it's fun for them. It's their own form of, of entertainment. But the goal is that there's a team of people having stressful meetings about how to put it out there for you while I'm on a, <laughs> while I'm on a yacht <laughs> drinking blood. Um, and, yeah, no, that's the goal entirely. Um, and um, I would scroll other people's social media. And feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> um, no I, that's, that's, that's entirely the goal. Um, I, you know, I, I have, I, this might be a sidetrack. I have a theory about the influencer boxes because I had to do them for Yearly Departed. What? The ones that Alyssa. I think it has completely reversed now. I think it is a status symbol for the people who actually post them. Kim Kardashian's not going to post them. But the people who are low on the list who got them are like, look, this TV show it. thinks yeah. that I am worthy of getting an influencer box. Like that, I think yeah. it has now become the inverse of what it originated as. Like I've never gotten one and I think about it. Well, I, I will tell you, oh, I, I know I got a pity one from when a friend did a project. They were like, we haven't, literally, it wasn't like, oh, it was like, we have an extra, do you want it? And I was like, totally, I would love free stuff. You're like, um, let me post it like I was on the list. I didn't post it, but I, rem- I remember the hideous urge to do it. I remember being mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I remember, well, I remember I was like, oh, so exciting because I wanted to promote her project. But I was also like, and look at me, which is like, oh, thank God I didn't. But like, I I, I, I now know why people post them. And it's certainly not mm-hmm. to like. I matter. 
Totally. Matters. And I think it's I'm the important. inverse. I it had matters. to do them for Yearly Departed when we did the comedy special on Amazon. We did two seasons of this, like, all-female and female-identifying comedy special. And the meetings about these influencer boxes were all based on one that worked when it was the first influencer box. So it was cool, and all right. the cool people posted it. But the cool kids in the cafeteria aren't posting influencer boxes. They've moved on to something influencers haven't even heard of yet. <laughs> I feel like you got to get weird with it. You got to do the Dune popcorn bucket. You got to get totally. Like, you got to fuck. You got to fuck weird. your merch. Yeah, a hundred percent. Kieran, how would your life look in a world where you do not have to do any self promotion anymore? Good. I think it would look nice. Um, I think that you can put more deep work <laughs> into the thing that you're excited about making because I actually think they're to me they're and I think you're the article that you sent also speaks to this. It's like, I think they're kind of diamet. Any like deep thinking work, I think is uh, putting together something an hour over time, whatever it is. Like, it's like, it takes, it takes um, quiet and, and constant and just a lot of like, just time for your brain to almost daydream. And when you have a phone and you mm-hmm. go to your phone and you always have something to uh, look at and immediately satisfy you, I think we lose that time. You know, and it it reminded me a little bit of like, you you know, I made that documentary in Nepal, and I remember every time, every time we would take that, every time we'd be in the jungle, it's like you're in this amazing place doing this amazing thing, but your job is to document what is going on. That's your job. So you're not in the moment enjoying the thing because you're worried about getting the thing on camera. And I feel like with in with social media when somebody's on a vacation even when you're making jam it's like if everything is supposed to be documented it fundamentally removes you one step from the moment if somebody's in the middle of crying and they take a fucking picture of themselves crying and then they post that do you know what i'm saying it's just like that means that you took yourself out of your emotion to comment on yourself and i think there's something weirdly um, stunted about, you know, like uh, operating that way. Because we were never meant to oper- be commenting. We were, we were meant to be like, you know, living it and then the sweet release of death. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite, my favorite crying on camera post of all time, and I don't think this, was, this will ever be topped, but I want to say like seven or eight years ago, Ilaria Baldwin posted yes. herself fake crying. You know it best. Bess knows it. Alaria Baldwin on 9-11 posted herself fake crying in front of the— 9-11 isn't funny, but this so is. beautiful. Um, it, it, fake crying against a building with the Twin Tower lights, memorial lights in the background. Um, and it is the, the greatest, the greatest and most absurd and obscene crying photo I think I've ever seen posted to social media. It was incredible. It was great to have that support from the country of Spain um, for, for our national tragedy of 9-11. Um, but yeah, I think, Kieran, you bring up a, a great point, and it's a good point to end on, which is that when we are constantly being dragged out of the space in which we need to be creative, then promotion becomes like kind of an enemy of the thing we're trying to do in the first place. And uh, let's all throw our phones into the sea. But also buy tickets to my... (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, check out Kieran's socials. Check out Bess's socials. Check out everybody's socials because we got stuff to promote, okay? All right, quick break time. When we come back, Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. If you found that this episode of Hysteria was able to chase your rage with a soothing balm of pettiness, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. Guys, it's been a rough year going to get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet you could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender do your worst but we have a better idea for you which is pick out something from the crooked store the store is stocked with tons of new merch it's perfect for the spring and classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship depending on how things go pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year or a hat celebrating your favorite pod go to crooked.com store to shop And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that celebrated the conjunction of Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day on Wednesday by getting their cross ashes as a tramp stamp. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. Some announcements for the class. It's 2024. Abortion, trans, and gay rights and whether our planet remains habitable for humans are on the ballot. It's a lot, but Vote Save America's got you covered with a new initiative to help streamline your political giving for the year, the Anxiety Relief Program. Just donate what you can each month, and VSA will take care of distributing 100% of your dollars where they're needed most. So far, over 500 recurring donors have joined the program and trusted VSA to make their dollar go further. But we still have a long way to go. Head to votesaveamerica.com to sign up now. Paid for by Vote Save America. votesaveamerica.com, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. If you've run out of fresh crooked content for the day, no, you haven't. We have so much more to check out on YouTube. We have a series called This Fucking Guy where we roast the men who deserve it most. And ladies. And ladies. ladies guys. People. We roast people. Tommy has a new show with Brian Tyler Cohen called Liberal Tears with rankings and drafts of everything political. And Lovett has a new segment called What a Week, where he jokes about the early breaking news of the week. 
For all of this YouTube-exclusive content and more, you can head to crooked.com slash videos to watch now. Okay, let's move on to Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. Alyssa, you start us off. Guys, I have a Sanity Corner. It is earnest. Um, I sat down last night and watched The Greatest Night in Pop on Netflix about the making of We Are the World. I sobbed myself into a sinus infection. No. Like I it was because guys what a honestly, review. if I'm like if I were being truthful about myself, I was born to be Bob Geldof. You know, like <laughs> I like doing big events. Give me all the celebrities, but let me be behind the scenes. But what went in in this instance, I was probably a little bit more Quincy Jones, but in this instance, what went into it, how they did it, the magic of like it's it's so incredible to think that something like that will probably never happen again because of uh, social media and people's egos and how things are. But they stripped all 46 of the people who came in, all of the all of the musicians. They did it the night of the American Music Awards, I think. So everyone was in LA. Bruce Springsteen drives himself over in like a beat up GTO. It was the most magical, inspiring, good vibes bullshit you could possibly want for yourself. And I recommend it 10 out of 10. And it did good work. And it did good work. But it was nice. really Cindy Lauper gives like an amazing she's it's it's everything you want to know and remember about uh you know these and I'll also I keep getting caught up in this shit because I'm like, I don't know, like my heroes are aging. Like I was so deep into the Tracy Chapman of it all. And so seeing this, I was like, oh my God, they were so young. Oh my God, she's not that much older than me. So anyway, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it really made me feel warm. So if you want to feel warm, I recommend it highly. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, I I will go next. I have a petty, okay. and it's very short. There was a profile of Mark Meadows in the New York Times, and it is <laughs> hilarious. This. It is delicious. It is a big, long read. But if you just want to—you ever get the feeling that you want to have dessert, but you want it to be a dessert that takes a really long time to eat? You don't yes, necessarily yes. want a lot of dessert. You just want, like, a big pile of Skittles and then eat them. That's this piece of writing about Mark Meadows. He sounds like such a pathetic, whiny— snaky, slimy loser, and it's just delicious. But I wanted to read this one paragraph oh. as like a little appetizer. Okay. Um, after winning his Western North Carolina congressional seat in 2012, Meadows promised two different aides that they would be his chief of staff, only to award the job to a third person. Meadows informed one of the unlucky aides by text message that he was, quote, going in a different direction. The other aide, upon confronting Meadows face-to-face, -face, was awarded a show of tears and the explanation that Debbie's afraid we'll have too much fun in Washington. Mark Meadows fucking cried when someone called him out on his bullshit. Oh, my that is, God. That is a weak sauce behavior. So that's what I'm feeling petty about this week. Kieran, good. Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty? I'll go Sanity. Uh, first, I want to say that the filmmaker for the for the that um, the Greatest Night in Pop is a buddy of mine. We went to Parliament together oh, it's last year. Yeah, and I remember when he was working on it. So it's very... It's I think he was really uh chuffed and so excited that that the um that it's had such a warm reception he said it, it's been kind of like beyond his uh this guy named uh bao win lovely human and a great filmmaker yeah, oh, yeah yeah so it's really saw the name yeah. In the yeah yeah so that made me that made me happy that's a little well, that's a little 
you know, warm in your cold, stony heart. Um, well, for the Sani, I'll I'll tell you. Um, the this is this is a little silly. Um, I uh, ha- like I had a I had an assault last year, which you guys know about. But the but then I had a I had to get two surgeries on my nose, and one of the funniest, craziest things that you don't realize about like a surgery is like obviously some of the architecture inside of your face changes, but like my um. I just find this hilarious and delightful. Like my boogers are different. <laughs> like they're just How they're so? just different than they used to be. You know, it it's like sometimes they like kind of crust up by the 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 middle bit, but then more than that, it's like they're yeah. like longer now. Up at the top. Yeah, they're lo- they're like these like they're like yeah. longer formations. They remind me so much of like you know like the caves, like the <gasps> stalagmites in the Mhm. Yeah. It's giving stalagmite, and it's um. Pr- I was like, I was like, oh my god, this is gross, but also maybe a little bit beautiful. Wait, Kieran, when my sister listens to this, she's gonna die because we've been calling those kind of boogers stalagmites since the okay, 80s. great. And and do you find them like a little bit beautiful, or am I insane? And painful, painful. <laughs> oh, are they painful? I yeah, I don't know if they're painful, but I, I just there's mm. something very. I just think the unexpected side effect of a thing that's like so small that no one would know it. I find it delightful and hilarious and it really, it really makes truly, truly a simple pleasure, right? <laughs> yeah. The smallest, simplest. Pleasure. I love the way, I love the way Ryan's face, Ryan's face is like, Ooh, you know, you're like, nah, I didn't need this. <laughs> no, I talked about desert boogers the other week. I'm in no position to judge people discussing their boogers. Um, best. Hi. Can you do Sanity Corner? I feel petty. Which one are you gonna pick? I, um, I I feel petty all of the time, so I I need a Sanity Corner. Um, and my Sanity Corner has been a friend's podcast because it's like I have her in my <laughs> ears, um, talking to her smarter friends. Um, her name's Alex Schwartz. She is one of the. Uh, co-hosts of the critics at large um, with Vincent Cunningham and Nomi Fry. Um, is it illegal to, oh my God, I'm not promoting, Hysteria no. listeners should listen to Hysteria first, <laughs> then critics at large. <laughs> but um, but mm-hmm. it's she's always been my smartest friend since I was like 15. And every time I write something, this is like a love letter. This is my, you know what? This is my goddamn Valentine's Day. <laughs> Every time I write something, I have Alex in my head, and now she knows she's not going to listen. Is she going to listen to this, or do I just listen to her? Um, but um, uh, every time I write something, I think about her, and um, and now, like when I, I've been going through like if there's like stressful kid health things, I just put that on, and then I hear Alex talking about like the culture and talking about comedians and talking about like Jean Le Carré movies and all kind and like talking about Barbie and all kinds of stuff. And I just have her talking to her smarter friends, and I feel, I feel like I've just gotten off a conference call where I've been uh, like listening in, and so that's been, <laughs> now she knows like as I'm like. <laughs> Doing school pickup, I, I listen to her having smart conversations with smarter people than me. <laughs> that is like such a relaxing experience to listen to really smart people talk, but also you don't have to participate in the conversation. Oh, it's so nice. Maybe that's why. Maybe I'm just like, totally. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> all right. That is all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria. Best Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. This was great. Please come back again sometime. Thank you so much for having me. I will take you up on that. This is a dream. Thank you, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Kieran Deal, thank you for joining us and being a longtime love of the show and our audience and me. And Alyssa Mastromonico, thank you for being my ride or die this week and every week. Listeners, if you want to get in touch, hysteria at crooked.com. And there will be more hysteria for you next week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on IG, Twitter, and TikTok. Subscribe to Hysteria on YouTube for access to video versions of your favorite segments and other exclusive content. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a nice review. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. We get audio support from Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okolate, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. There is a lot going on in 2024. Luckily, there's someone to help us sort through it all and give us a laugh while doing it. John Stewart returns to the host chair on The Daily Show to share satirical takes on the news, politics, and cultural moments that are impacting our lives. The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast offers daily episodes fine-tuned for your ears along with the biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition wherever you get your podcasts.